Welcome to Vector. Three, two, one, action. Hello, everyone. This is Peter Gregorio. Welcome to the Vector Interview Podcast. Each episode focuses on a different artist. We meet in person and have an in-depth discussion about life, art, and the concepts behind their work. I am an artist, I'm based in Brooklyn, and I'm the director of Vector Productions, Inc., where along with my co-director, the Norwegian artist Javier Barrios, we publish the international artist zine Vector. We also host different art-related events, exhibitions, publications, and performances. We think that the power of the artist's vision is a driving force in the evolution of attitudes, ideas, and culture, which must be enhanced to challenge and inspire the world. Before we begin, a quick update on some of the projects we are working on for the future. I'm going to Norway in January to work with Vector's co-director, Javier Barrios, on a new science edition of the Vector Artist Journal. Javier will be leading this project, which will consist of a collection of essays by artists from around the world who are influenced by scientific concepts. I will also meet with Monica Holman. She is a curator at the Nia Center for Contemporary Art in Lillestrøm. She is a co-editor for Kunstform magazine and a freelance writer on the music scene in Norway. We're going to team up and do Vector Sound which will be an event with live performances by a collection of experimental musicians based in Norway with a vinyl album. I will post updates for these and other projects in the works on the Vector website, so stay tuned. If you like the podcast, the journal, or any of the projects we're working on, we ask that you support us by becoming an ongoing subscriber. This helps us continue to do this podcast and the other Vector projects. You can also make a one-time contribution for this episode. 50% of the proceeds will go to the artist. You can find the links here and on our homepage. Today's episode is with the Italian artist and musician Federico Del Frati. I first met Federico while I was in Munich working on the Munich edition of Vector Artist Journal. I was visiting an open studios at a subsidized art building. I wandered into this studio with all these maps and graphs on the wall with a bunch of equipment around the room and a rowing machine with wires coming out in front of a green screen. I was intrigued. Federico was speaking English with an Italian accent, talking about a project he was working on that had to do with virtually walking around the world in real time using Google Maps. I could hear the obsession in his voice about all the planning and challenges involved with trying to actualize the project. He reminded me of a scientist out of an H.G. Wells novel like The Time Machine or Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. After his talk, I asked him if he would be interested in being one of the contributing artists to the Vector Munich edition, um, which he did, and it was great. originally from Legnano, Italy, where he studied graphics and game design at the Politecnico University of Milano. 
Federico eventually found himself immersed in the visual arts and enrolled in the sculpture program at the Fine Art Academy in Munich, where he currently lives and creates installations, interactive social experiments, and performances. His work translates ideas from the physical and social sciences, such as geography, physics, and astronomy, into artistic forms that express the constant flux of nature and cultural patterns, framing their complexity into meaningful pathways of understanding. In his project around the world in 80 megabytes per second, wearing VR goggles while walking on a treadmill hooked up to Google Earth, he is on a virtual journey walking around the world in real time. In his own words, the performance aims to translate every physiological and psychological experience, a carnet de voyage that functions as a dialogue between virtual and physical realities, a platform to disrupt their boundaries and overlap their nature, juxtaposing the physical self to the virtual representation of Earth and questioning the relationship between a human being and what its natural environment really is. In addition to this project, which will probably take him years, he's working on an electric concept album about post-apocalyptic cyborg birds with his band Kunststoff Werkstatt, an English synthetic materials lab. Parallel to this, He's doing research on Timothy Morton's object-oriented ontology and his philosophy of hyper-objects, which he says will be the central theme for his next musical-slash-installation-slash-performance project. You just, you gotta love the absurdity of artists and how they think. It makes me happy. Welcome to Vector! Uh, last but not least, he is preparing an ongoing exhibition in his atelier with Judith Neunhauser, in which they will set up a concept bar entitled A Bar at the End of the Universe, as a homage to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy by Douglas Adams. You can find out more about Federico Delfrati on his website, federico-delfrati.com. I have posted a few links here and on the Vector website. This discussion was recorded around nine months ago in Federico's studio in Munich. We talked about his projects involving digital technology, artificial intelligence, celestial objects, and tardigrades. Welcome, Federico Delfrati. This is Vector. All right, cool. So we're rolling there. Let me roll this. I'm also rolling a cigarette. Yeah, I think it's good. All right. And we could, we'll start slow. This is always like a little awkward in the beginning. And then we just forget about it. Um, yeah, so tell me your name and where we are. So we are in Munich. I am Federico Del Frati. We are in my studio in the Baumstrasse. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I love your studio. I, I never quite know where to start. It's different with every person. We'll start with the studio, like, you're from Italy. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from in Italy? Uh, next to Milan. And I, st well, I studied in Italy for most of my life. Lived in Milan also for a while. And uh, let's say after the, after the high school, I wanted first to, to become a video game designer. Oh, really? That's why I, yeah, that's why I started. Uh, I 
started to study graphic design because I thought I would move slowly into animation and 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 the like. And um, but after studying communication design, I thought perhaps the fine arts are a better way for me to be creative. And uh, so yeah, well. I, tried a master in printmaking in Milan for a year and um, then through the Erasmus program where you can exchange for six months um, your university place in within Europe I came to Munich where I just stayed and never moved back was it one year or one semester it was one semester okay like I think I met some Spanish yeah I could be people from the same program is it yeah, yeah. It's well, an international program. It's an international. Yeah, it's mostly European, but I think, I think this Erasmus thing, it's it's a European-driven okay. uh, exchange, but there are multiple ones. Do you apply for it? Yeah, yeah. You or apply. Are you selected? Okay. No, no, you apply. Most of the people really get it, and it depends on the destinations. Like when I applied, I wanted to come to Germany, but I thought of coming, going to Berlin, right. because Berlin's I, well, the center. I, I didn't really know Germany that yeah. well, um, but my professor redirected me immediately to, to Munich, said, go to Munich, the academy there is much better. I don't know about the, the academy in, in Berlin, but I do know about this one here in Munich, yeah. and it was great. Well, it's so historical, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's got a long history. So many people went through there. I mean, I am so impressed by it, just from going there. Yeah. And yeah, it has an hour. I mean, as an American, I can't believe you have five years free. That blows me away. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it does. It really does. So you're in the academy in Milan. Mm -hmm. How do you go from game design and then why do you choose printmaking? Mm. It was game design in the first place, but I never really wanted to program. I wanted to do the the, the artworks behind it. So the, the, you know, the the illustrations, the the, the art concept, the concept art. Did you always draw? I always draw comics. Did you think of yourself as an artist? No, not really. Yeah. No, back then. No. I didn't. No, I think I was, I don't know, 18 when I, uh, yeah, 19 when I graduated from high school and I decided okay. to do uh, video game design. Back then I thought, yeah, most probably I'm a creative person and, and I know that I can draw and I like to do that. So that was the first step. And uh, within the, this, this university in Milan, it was more communication design oriented and less illustration. But since it was a really good school, I thought of uh, continuing it for three years, so I have the bachelor done. And uh, in those three years, the dream of becoming a, uh, uh, like a video game designer kind of faded away, and I was more focused in the communication design, so corporate image and all that stuff. Okay. So it was a lot of graphics in its, in its sense. But since I tried then to work as a freelance graphic designer and illustrator in Milan, I think it was due to perhaps my personality or the, the lack of luck in finding the good clients, I always had to run around after payments that would never arrive. So it was really, really a frustrating job. And I thought, I just want to be creative for myself and not for somebody else. And this is why I thought, let's move to a fine art academy where I could continue my graphic studies within printmaking, although in a more classical sense. And yeah, then it kick-started a chain reaction that brought me here in Munich, in which I got assigned to a sculpture class. And since then, I, I mean, I love the academy, so I applied as an official student, yeah. as a regular student, and I was always in that class. So uh, being in a, in a sculpture class and constantly doing printmaking was not really uh, 
matching that well after a couple of months. And so I just, well, I stopped doing printmaking, although I you know, always enjoyed it. But I thought, let's try the third dimension. And that. And now somehow you kind of are integrating a lot of the game stuff too. Yeah, it, it's now funny. you're programming. It, it, <laughs> it's <laughs> but funny I love that because yeah. it's like, yeah, you focus on one thing, you focus on another thing, and then eventually, I guess you find yourself, and then maybe integrate all of your interests. This is the point. Yeah, and that takes a lot of time, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I never did printmaking, but I tried it last year for the first time and I loved it. it, I it is well, wonderful. I did silk screening. I don't know yeah. if that counts. Does yeah, it? yeah, of course. Okay, so. It is. It is. Well, I guess, I guess but I loved yeah. it yeah. and I want to do more of it and that's not normal for me. It's like instant art. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I take, it, my work takes forever so it's so nice to spend one day and then have a whole set of, a whole series of works. It yeah. was amazing. But also um, the physical process of yeah. doing it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's more concrete. And the academy is kind of unusual, right? Because you're working with one person and it's open. It's not like there's no classes necessarily. Well, there the are, but they are absolutely not non-mandatory. So you, so you just take yeah. something if you want to learn something. like Yeah, precisely. It depend, well, if yeah. you are in the, in the free arts department, there are also right. uh, music, uh, music uh, art pedagogy. Ped okay. yeah. and, I don't um, know what that is. Pedagogy. Like art teaching. Oh, and they okay. have well, they do frequent most yeah. of the classes, yeah. so the, the the labs, and uh, but they also have to attend seminars and stuff like that. So that because in the end they they, they should they're supposed they're expected to write a final essay about their. It's geared towards getting some kind of certificate. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it's more university. Yeah, uh, it's more aligned to standard so universities. You can use all the facilities there, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Although I never used them. Yeah, yeah I, I, think I think I used it was one the same for me. Like we, I went to SVA in New York and I think I could have taken courses anywhere. And I feel a little bit dumb for that now that it's over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh well. As, a, as an alumni, can you go back and use the facility? No. Okay. No, no, no. Being in the academy really helped. Besides getting the, the piece of paper in the end, it's the, the, the journey through it. I mean, what you learn from your, from your classmates, from your professors, from the, the... I mean, for me, the connections I made with my other students. Yeah. Almost everything I did in the first five years was because of the other students that I worked with. And I was lucky because I wound up being an assistant to one of the professors for two years. So that was cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's a different world in New York. I've literally no clue. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I actually really like it here. I think there's a lot going on here. Yeah, so you stayed in Munich. Why? I think I asked you this last year, but I want to hear you say it on audio. So what's wrong with Milan? Why doesn't Milan have a big art world? Or does it? I don't it, know much about it. To be honest, it's Italy. I, I mean, Italy should uh, have yeah. a huge. Italy should have a Berlin in Italy. You know what I'm saying? And like, Milan is the Berlin of Italy. Yeah. But it became that in the last ten years. Okay. When I was so, already here in Munich, so I, I kind of witnessed it uh, passively by coming back sometimes during the year. And I went to some exhibitions of friends, of old friends who studied in the academy. There is something going on, but the, back then when I left it the possibilities were really, really limited and the, 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 the academy itself 
was really unorganized. I don't know how it is now. I hope yeah. it's better, but it was heavily unorganized and uh, overcrowded. Let's say as a, as a freshly graduated student, the opportunities were near to zero. I mean, I spoke with friends who, who graduated when I was already, when I, when I started and uh, they said, yeah, well, now I think I'll just go back to work. And um, I don't know if it's their specific case or is, uh, I can generalize yeah, more, of but the reality, I mean, the, the, what I found here throughout the studies and also after the academy is this constant, constant availability of uh, applications or uh, uh, invitations to studios, make, like, s studios yeah. to that, that for you, you can get for five years. It's, uh, it, I mean, being a smaller world here in Munich, I guess, it has much more possibilities to... to I agree. Offer. I mean, like I keep doing projects here and people are open to it and they're yeah. supporting them. I just follow my projects and it keeps leading me back here. I don't know why. It's a comfortable city in a way. But it has its limitations as well, I think. Of course, when everybody graduates, there's always that pressure to go to somewhere like Berlin. Because yeah. you want to be part of the scene. Or drown in the scene. Yeah, drown in the scene. <laughs> but you want to, you got to go do that, right? Now, I mean, I grew up in New York, so I didn't need that. Yeah, okay. I don't need that push or pull to go anywhere. Well, to be honest, I, I thought, I mean, um, I'm going to have the studio until uh, for one and a half years more. And then everybody here needs to, needs to move. Oh, they're shutting else. it down? No, no, no. It's every five years, oh. there is a new contract. It's, it's going to be a new generation of people who move in. And everybody goes at once. And everybody goes at once. It's not like... Uh, no, no, no. It's every five years. Then you have this exodus. Five years. My God. And, uh, but five I thought... Years. I think in like six month terms. I've never thought in five years. Yeah, terms. They, yeah me neither. Me yeah. neither. I never had a, a contract that, that would last five years. Uh, it was really... But I thought of going... I mean, I want to go somewhere else other than, than Munich. But I'm... I'm still a bit skeptical about Berlin. I really, I have... Um, you can always go there and try it for a year. Well, I'd really love to go to Amsterdam. Then, or I mean, I'm saying some other center you can try. Yeah, yeah. Well, center. It does, I don't mean Berlin. I mean Berlin as a metaphor. No, the plan A yeah. is Amsterdam and there is no plan B. If it doesn't work out with, uh, with Amsterdam, then who knows? I'll figure it out. For me, there's a kind of seriousness about art here. Uh, what, what do you mean? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm comparing it to New York. I mean, people are serious about art in New York, too. This, I'm saying, but it feels like in New York, like the art world is sort of a subculture that's separate from the rest of the... Mm -hmm. And here it feels like somehow there's more integration. There is, Just the way people talk to me when I'm doing exhibitions or projects, they really are into it. And yeah. they get deep it's not just like hey good job you know yeah, well, really... there is there is that as well yeah. don't, don't yeah do I know <laughs> but it's not as bad as how it is I think I don't know there's something maybe it's just the funding the culture kind of cares it seems like more Definitely. we don't have a lot of public funding definitely well, here so. in, uh, in, in in Bayern yeah. it's uh, it's it's crazy good in comparison to, to other regions of Germany, yeah. like friends in Berlin, admitted the fact that in, in, in Munich the opportunities were better, better financed, more opportunities. It seems like 
they've got the art school, they've got the museums, they have galleries, there's private corporations, public funding, they've got some of the things that Berlin, I guess, doesn't have. But then it doesn't seem like they have as many artist-run projects or younger kind of... There, there are, but there are, yeah, you can count them on, on, on your fingers. Like, I'm wondering if people were staying here and doing more of these things, if it would activate this kind of epicenter. Like, if Munich can become an epicenter again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind well, of like it, it used to be. And But it is starting. I mean, uh, I think in, uh, like, the percentage of people that really leave Munich after the, the studies, it's really limited. So that the majority are staying here. They are and, staying. And there are, like I said, through countless applications, there are projects that are popping up every now and then. The thing is that there, is, there are the chances to, for something to happen, but it's just about how long it, it's allowed to exist. And a lot of, uh, a lot of places, of, of, of spaces, they're always um, used for a limited, number of, uh, limited period of time. So even if you start uh, an artist-run space that does exhibitions, workshops, kind of whatever, most of the cases have like an ending. I mean, they, they know that after one year they will have to leave. Yeah, I was part of one ah. when I was here last year. Ah. I had a studio and a place. It was an old building on Marion Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that was so cool. And I couldn't believe that that was so short. It was six months. That was it. And I think the building had been empty for years. But this is also a problem because as a, as a, like a kick-started project, um, I mean, as a group of, of artists that get together to start a project in a space that know that we'll have to leave anyways in one year, so that the chances of mm -hmm. something, of creating something that, that stays, it's, it's really limited. I mean, there, there are some colleagues of mine and they used this, this, uh, this, this concept of having to move from place to place as a, as a, a bit of a statement. Oh, and they just like so they integrated it into the Yeah, so they organize formula. these talks uh, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, that, that takes place every time somewhere else. Yeah. I love how you can just conceptualize something. So yeah, <laughs> turn, turn it into, yeah, oh, yeah. you guys have to move. Oh, shit. Wait, what if we make moving uh, the whole concept? Yeah, that's part of our project, <laughs> the moving. All right, so you were in the sculpture class. God, there's so much to talk about. I don't know where to start. We haven't even talked about your work. I'm like saving it, you know. I'm trying to push it as far. Maybe I'll just jump right into that. So you actually made, uh, and I'm not just complimenting you. You actually made one of my favorite artworks. So Which one? The walking around the earth, you mean? No. No. Which one? Ah, the... The sun. The sun. Something about that, I think, is like... It just blew my mind. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. I think it's so simple and was probably so hard to make. I don't know. I think it's really... It's something else. I don't even know if it's art. It's just... <laughs> it hit me on this primal human being level. You know, that's... And, uh, that's, yeah, that's precisely how I felt. But I like it in a specific way. I don't think you showed it in the way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I remember when you told I me like that it you, side by side to keep it the horizon. As one line. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if that's your intention, but at least you showed it to me that way, so that's how I saw it. Yeah, well, and, uh, it's two videos that can be shown in yeah. a way a lot of... And I tried, I actually tried to advocate them doing that at the Hauster Kunst when I was curating the American mm -hmm. artists. Yeah. I told them I want 
I wanted you to show that. Huh. But I don't know why it didn't work out. I mean, I had no control over the artists here. And yeah, then. yeah, it's all right. I only had control over the American. But I wanted them to show it. Oh, I remember so, because Connie told me that it was, um, yeah. it needed to be an artwork that was never shown in Munich. And since I already showed yeah. it, then it was out of the picture. Who cares? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't buy that. But anyway, <laughs> whatever. She didn't want to show it. But if I ever have a chance to show that in any, somewhere, anywhere, if I ever curate anything, I'm going to show that. So. Yeah, I would really love to show and it. And it's not, I, I really want to show it. People should see it. Like, that's one thing that's a little frustrating, I think, when you make something and... You, and then you can't some, show it. Like, the, sh the piece I showed at the House Coach Hoon stuff video. Yeah. I mean, five years I've been waiting to show that. But I finally got to show it in yeah, the yeah. scale I it, wanted. Because you saw the scale. Of course. It was just too... There's nowhere I could do that. And it was small in that space. So, yeah, so I want to see that. I picture it in my mind. I guess I should say what it is because we're doing this audio. Mm -hmm. It's or maybe you should say what it was. Why don't you tell us the story? Tell me the story behind that. The story. Ah, okay. 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 <laughs> you can be super detailed. You don't have to rush. Or yeah. yeah. Can, um, well, I just have to remember how it all began. Yeah. It started out with a bit of a. The focus of my research back then was always to go to this astronomical interest in in scales. So the human scale versus the universal scale. So this the contrast between a single individual and planet Earth. I wanted to do a, a work that related to, to this contrast. And then I somehow, by, I think I just randomly stumbled upon the concept of the antipodes. Can you elaborate on that? The antipode, I think, it's, it's geometrically speaking, is if you take a sphere, two antipodes are two points on the surface of the sphere that are at the, like, the most distant from one another. So the, the real opposites. So You said that there's hardly anywhere yeah, on, the on Earth, land. Yeah, precisely. It, it's mostly water. It's mostly, yeah. It's hard to find water. two land points that yeah. are exactly opposite. Yeah, the antipode of these coordinates here, it's the Pacific Ocean somewhere. And it's mostly like that. Wherever you are, it's an ocean yeah. on the other side. There are fewer examples of where land meets land. And in the end, I, I was trying to find two places on Earth, where land meets land on the other side. And uh, since China and Peru was a bit out of the picture because of maybe financial reasons, but I, um, well, let's say it, the choice came down to whether China and Peru, one choice, or Spain and New Zealand, the other choice. I think that, well, I wanted to work in an idea as pure as possible. And I knew that, you know, to go through China, you do have to have, like, for example, an invitation or, or... It felt, to me at least, it felt doing an artwork in China very political. It would have been difficult. And it also would have been yeah. incredibly more difficult. Whereas uh, New Zealand and Spain, New Zealand is almost like European and, uh, and Spain is... Anyways, so uh, it was easier. Also, I had a friend in Spain who could help me. So Were there other points, other choices? Uh, or there's very few? Very few, very few. Um, yeah, the majority was uh, East Asia and South America. Uh -huh. Very difficult to achieve and to, to, to reach. Or New Zealand and Spain. These were so the two major... So it was like major... efficiency, really. It was like... It was an efficient yeah. choice, yeah. A choice of... So you knew somebody in Spain. Yeah, and so I thought, hey, just... just anyways, it's going to be really hard to do whatever it's going to be. So at least... 
I'll try to, to have it as simple as possible in the logistics, okay. if anything. The idea kind of, the moment I started to, to research on the, these antipodes points, it's, I don't know what came first, but I guess the, the thought, the simple thought of if I witness a sunset on one point on the other side, because it's the real opposite, then it's going to be a sunrise. And it's, it's geometrically And it's amazing because you never really think about this. No. Because right? yeah. it's the planet spinning. Right? Yeah. So, so you have these 10 minutes um, in which two people can see the same sun at the same time, and, um, but on the opposite sides. So, um, so now it's all logistics. Timing, then it, then it you have to, to go there, you I have, have to, to go there. do the timing. So you planned it all out. Yeah, planned it out. I, due to financial reasons, I had the, ch the chance to stay in New Zealand for only eight days. And okay. I thought, fuck, what if it's cloudy for eight days? I then know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this has happened throughout history. Like, I forget who it was yeah, who had to, we talked about this. Yes, the guy who had, of the king of, ah. The guy who had to prove, tried to prove Einstein theory. It had to be done during an eclipse. Yeah, yeah. And he tried, I forget who it was, I should know this, but. But there was also the astronomer of yeah. some, some European king or queen that was in, in South America to, to witness the transit of Venus against the sun. And it was cloudy that day, so he had to wait, I, I think, like years to, yeah. to get an answer. But yeah, he, he so you put yourself in this kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have any from any queen. No. So, um, I mean, it was cloudy for five days. And uh, the sixth day, we managed to shoot it. And the coordinates, thankfully, was quite close to his home. So he just had to drive for one hour or two. Actually, he camped there for the entire night because he said, hey, the, the, we the, the weather forecast says that tomorrow is going to be full sun. So I'm just going to stay here. And I was also ready on the other side to, to shoot. And then for those 10 minutes, we were phoning like crazy because... It must have been a great <laughs> moment when you were there... It's something that happens every day, but now it's got all this meaning around it. Somehow it's one of the most enhanced moments of your life. Yeah, I felt like passing the sun to a friend of mine on the other side. Now you come up with the art project, and in a way you're enhancing your, your own perceptual experience of your reality. Yeah, yeah. Because of the project, even though you could have just gone there and seen the sunset anytime or anywhere. See what I mean? Yeah, it, because you attach the, a lot somehow of sub-meaning sub to it. Yeah, this narrative story or this fictional thing, which kind of shows me that if we just change our thinking, you can change how you see the reality of any moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And the question is how, how often one can do that. In a way, I think that's one of the things mm. that art is about, creating this fictional narrative that enhances and then give that experience to everyone else yeah. that you had. And I mean, that's the goal, right? A kind of shared experience. Precisely. So you recorded it, and then when you got the footage, you, I mean, I imagine it was pretty simple to edit together. Yeah, yeah. You just take the two pieces that are at the same time. And yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. there was some, not even, the thing is that I tried to, the, pic the, the, the lighting of the, in the inside of the video changes every, every, every 10 seconds because it's the sun that it's setting or it's yeah. coming up. So I, I really didn't have to do much 
besides putting them together. And uh, the first time I put them together, it was really magic. I thought, yeah, I thought, okay, this was the idea and this is it. And then when you showed it for the first time, where was that? I showed it in the, um, in the Galerie der Künstler, in, uh, here in the BBK, in Munich. What was it like seeing it? Well, the idea was the concept behind the choice of showing them like this. So one opposite to the other was that the fact that people could actually really sit in the middle. So being in the middle of one day. Conceptually, I think it was a better choice because I thought of putting them together, but then you are just a spectator. I mean, the only reason why I like it next to each other is there's that moment where there's one line and you see in one moment that it's the same song. It's like my mind couldn't grasp it somehow. The first time I ever went to the Pacific Ocean, mm -hmm. the coast, like I'm from New York, so I'm East Coast. It's different. I don't know why. It's different than the Atlantic. The, just, the, it feels different. I, I can't explain why. You're, yeah, you're like complete, like I'm on another planet. Okay, that's the only way I can describe. Probably the compass I, in your in your brain, your subconscious really. Yeah, it feels bigger somehow. Yeah. And um, when you look out, there's a lot of fog in Northern California mm -hmm. during a certain time of every day, and so there's a point, there's a moment where you look out and you can't. There's no horizon line. Ah, oh, nice. And I couldn't. You can't. Like at my mine can't handle it like i was looking out into an abyss and i was just like fuck this is vector infinity strikes yeah i couldn't comprehend it i couldn't compute it yeah it was beyond something i could understand and that's how i felt with that video so that's why i like it so much I like your other work too. I mean, I'm just saying that really hit me in a different way. Yeah, like I said, I don't even know if it's art, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't even know if that matters. It's one of the uh, most instinctive works I've ever done. I don't know if a lot of things I do are art. So I'm not. <laughs> yeah, this is also a question. It's more like a thought experiment or. Thought experiments, yeah. That's, that's precisely how I like to, to describe what yeah, I do. Yeah, because you're like, I have to make this thing. It's not like. I want to make this artwork. It's more like I have to see what this looks like. Yeah. You know, like I did this one painting. It was all binary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I just wanted to stand in front of it and see what that feels like. That's really what it came down to. I mean, there were other conceptual things behind it. But the, in the end, I kind of wanted to just see it on that scale, yeah. you know. So I met you... Last year, we were doing a studio walk. Mm -hmm. I think that's how I met you. Yeah. And you were talking about, so I didn't know you. I didn't, nobody told me to come see you. You just were here. I was here for another artist. Yeah. And it was like open studios. I was invited. And you were talking about your project with the walking. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I want him to be in the vector. <laughs> and I told Berta Blau, who was mm -hmm. the guest editor. And um, I don't know what it was about that work. I guess a lot of people work with internet and digital stuff. But this somehow, like one thing I really liked about that work was, um, I don't know, I felt like you were, it didn't seem arbitrary. It didn't seem like just a concept. Which there's nothing wrong with having just a concept. No, no. But I'm just saying you were using 
Google Maps and technology to make this romantic, almost historical. Well, in a way, to to use what you the words that you that you that you that you chose before, it was another thought experiment because it really was triggered by. Um, the choice of of the materials, the medium, was just a byproduct of the the question that I asked myself: What would happen if I would just walk on a straight line and follow the horizon physically, like literally doing it? And since it's obviously impossible due to the logistics of modern life to do so uh, in real life, I thought, well, I could do it with Google Earth because yeah, it just came to my mind. I like that kind of work personally, so I was attracted to it just because of that. But just the idea that you could walk or circumnavigate the world virtually yeah. using Google Maps. I mean, it's really funny in a way. It is. But it's well, also it's kind of insanely like... insanely boring, I have to say. Yeah, but you, I love the commitment. How long is it going to take? Oh, I think 10 years more. And how long have you been doing it now? Two years. With some breaks in between. All right, so tell tell me a little bit more in depth about that one now, because it's great to hear how it all started. Yeah, and just where you're at now. What's it like? Well, right now I'm floating <laughs> in the middle of uh, not even in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I think I left. I don't see the Spanish coast anymore since some months. Okay, so you started two years ago. You're like, I'm gonna walk around the world yeah. on Google Maps, yeah. virtually. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna start from my hometown in Legnano, from the house where I grew up. Okay. And you and, did, and you walk. And I walking walk, west. I first walked north because I wanted to reach Munich. Okay. In a way, trying to walk <laughs> on my own footsteps in real life. But the moment I was on the on the on the Alps, I knew, well, I, I don't want to circumnavigate the globe going north and then reaching it back up from the south. Oh, yeah, because you can go this way. I could go so that way. But you want to go the other way, so you go through countries. Yeah, I thought, okay, it was a point in which I shall I go just left or right. And I thought, um, back then I was into... If you walk north, the majority of your walk is going to be just ice. Yeah, or, or swimming in the, yeah. the Pacific Ocean and, and abandon the project due to death or boredom. So did you actually figure out, um, you're obviously not walking around the horizon, so, I mean the, the equator, sorry. No, no. I, walk, do you know where you're walking, what degrees of... Well, I was on the Alps, I think it was on the, I don't really know. I wasn't sure how detailed you got. The, the I think the tropic of the, Cap, uh, of, 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 of the Capricorn or Cancer, now I'm mixing the yeah, two. Yeah, I don't remember. But well, anyways, I wanted to, degrees to walk through three. Europe. This was the, yeah. I mean, walk through the familiar places I knew. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah, it was, yeah. And um, so I went from the Alps into Switzerland, and then I slided down to France. I reached Brittany, mm -hmm. and then I walked along the coast of the Atlantic for, uh, until I, I think I entered into Spain through Bilbao. And then I decided to deviate south southwest to get some Spanish inland, and I never managed to reach the Portu Portugal. I, I, I sailed from uh, from Europe from the Spanish coast, and yeah. And back then I had the chance to make a performance. Like the, the moment I would virtually reach, uh, leave the the, the the European coast, it was the time in which I got invited to do a performance about this work, and so I thought to merge the two. And uh, 
So like that's why the performance was called Farewell to Europe, in which I just sailed. I had my speech, I narrated the, the adventures that uh, I had in, in Europe, and then sailed, which was, uh, at the moment, I think it was clear only in my head, but it became the homage to, the, to this Dutch artist, Bastian Adas, in that I think in, in the late 70s or perhaps even the 80s, I'm not that sure, he really left the Dutch coast on a rowing boat with the aim of going to, to the USA and he disappeared. His boat was found completely destroyed. Rowing across the Atlantic. Jesus. Yeah, on a, on a wooden boat. It was a suicidal act. No, I, no, I don't know. Because don't, don't, isn't, aren't there points in the Atlantic where it goes? Yeah, the huge waves. But yeah, but also you can't roll. I mean, if you don't have a sail, you're going to die soon. And yeah, most probably he died. That's so. commitment. Uh, I really, yeah, there was an involuntary homage to, to him as well. And uh, yeah, now I'm rowing. So, that, so you switch, so you're walking. I was walking. And now you have a virtual rowboat. Yeah, so now I have a, a, a rowing machine, the ones that you can find uh, in the in gyms. So now, I just want to get into the technology yeah. aspect. Do you have an avatar? Is there like a virtual character? No, no, no. Or you a, just see... You are a, a You just see it from the perspective of first person. You, yeah. Like in like video games, it's, first, it's first, person. first person. But you don't see your hands. You, you don't, don't see, see hands, feet. Or, you just... There's no like up and down. <laughs> there is only up and down, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you, if, I, if since it's 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 VR, if you if oh, so okay. This is what see. We need more information. So okay, yeah. So tell me the logistics of the technology. How did you set this up? Well, it's really not that complicated, anyways, because it's this Oculus Rift VR uh, goggles that are connected to my computer. It's Oculus. Yeah. Okay. And um, there is a version of uh, Google Earth for the Oculus VR. So okay. um, all I had to do was basically log myself in, start the program, and uh, start recording. Uh, the, the, because I, I streamed every performance, private performance. So how, did you, how do you record it? With, uh, with, uh, like Is a, it a different program? Yeah. It's this, not within? It's this, this, this uh, program that every, every streamer on YouTube or Twitch uses, this uh, open broadcaster studio it's called. And it records everything you do. It you can, you can set up multiple cameras. It's live so it streaming has, and it's recording. Yeah, you can choose also only to record or only to mm -hmm. live. But you're stream. doing both. I was doing both in the beginning. Then I started to record anyways only because I wanted to edit the videos a bit before putting them online. And uh, the technical aspect of walking and moving at the same time in virtual reality was a bit of a uh, was a bit tricky in the beginning. But through Arduino, you know, this, this, this is a tiny microscope, I mean, not microscopic, but it's a chipset. It's as big of a, as, as your palm. Mm -hmm. And um, you can attach multiple uh, electronics onto it. It's really cheap and really easily programmable. And if not, there is a huge uh, set of, or a gigantic groups of people that could help you. And... Um, doing one specific thing. So I knew that I needed something that rotates alongside the, the treadmill, so this rubber band that's, that rotates under my feet. Mm -hmm. And I wanted this movement to be translated into a digital signal that could signal my computer to move forward or backwards. You have to somehow in 
uh, integrate with Google Maps so that, like in Google Maps, you can press the arrow and move forward one yeah, step at a time. Precisely. So you had to have the movement of your treadmill. Yeah, from the physical world into you the basically needed world. an interface. Yeah, yeah. I had and I imagine you tried to get as close as possible to the correct timing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The, the, the testing phase was. I mean, it took me several weeks, but. In the end, I mean, the idea was to keep the pace of a normal walking. Yeah. And in the videos that I did in the beginning, some, some friends pointed out that perhaps I'm walking a bit too fast, as if it's I'm jogging, whereas on the treadmill I'm just walking. And then I had to, well, I reset the whole time, and now it's going really slow, as if I'm just strolling through the earth mm -hmm. instead of walking it. But maybe it's even better like this. It's going to take probably twice as much, Yeah. but so be it. And it's funny because you're actually walking. Yeah. If you walk for four hours, you go that far. Yeah, and that's why it'll take ten years. And rowing it was also I needed another interface because this 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 thing that would rotate under the rubber band was useless since I was rowing, and so I just made the system in which I using I was using the joysticks, and uh, the moment I and the joystick the 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 thumb, how do you say, the button, the joystick button of the thumb was connected in, in front of the rowing machine with two really, really lo-fi with two yeah. strings attached okay. to, <laughs> to the handles. Yeah. And every time I would pull back, the strings would pull the, the, the joystick back. Okay. So I would move. And yeah. then if I go forward, it stops to move. It. So it, you yeah, have this yeah. constant... Oh, that's move. perfect. Yeah, it was... Yeah. Hey, where, where is the rowing machine? Ah, it's there. It's folded there. Okay, the, so you're not set up. You haven't done it in a while. No, no, I, because I was in, uh, in Taipei for, okay. for three months, and then I never set it up again. I wonder how long... <laughs> the, the interesting thing is when the... Let's say when the project's completely done, you'll have the entire walk. I wonder how long it'll be. The video or the and the question is yeah. it a video or is it it's yeah. multiple videos it's episodes sometimes yeah. I cut the say the how long will that be if you watch the whole thing I wonder how long it would be. probably hours I never recorded well I never well, posted long, online the real time of uh, in real time I wonder how long it would be <laughs> like would you would it take a year to watch. Like, how long does it take to walk around the world? Well, it, it would take... I mean, we could calculate it mathematically. How many miles and how many times... It's how 22, far 22,000 kilometers. So, yeah, kilometers, sorry. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, um, so, how many kilometers, how far you go per hour? If you make... Mm -hmm. um, well, let's say you're walking five kilometers per hour. So, it's just 22,000 <laughs> divided by five. So, that's... Um, 4,400 hours or something. Only? Yeah. Right. Sorry. Right. Five goes into 24, and then five goes into 20 again. So 4,400 hours, which is, if you divide that by 24, <laughs> I, don't, I'm, I don't want to use my calculator because I'm using the phone to record this. I don't want to mess it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, you could use mine. Yeah, let's figure it out. I want to know exactly. Yeah. I feel so dumb. We're, we're showing how the world how dumb we are. <laughs> so, it's tw let's say 20, it's 22 comma something, but it is really just simplified. 22 divided, 20, divided by 5. 4,400. Divided by 24. 
it's 183 days. So that's not so bad. 184 days. So it'll take you 184 days. But that's continuous, 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So somebody would have to sit there for six months <laughs> and, and watch and it continuously. I love projects like that. And watch me walk without sleeping or eating for 183 yeah. days. You have to show that one day. Yeah. Promise I, me. The, the whole, without stopping. I, I like promise. It'll be a six-month installation. I wonder how many gig of that video will wait. Yeah. It won't be so bad. Oh, yeah. Just get like a... And I the question is whether Google Earth will still exist in 10, 10 years or if Google will exist in 10 years. This yeah. is also a question. If Google doesn't exist in 10 years, then humanity as we know it does not exist. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I Giving it for granted. I mean, 10 years ago, Google was just one of... And there's things that don't exist anymore, like Netflix Navigator. <laughs> no, I don't know if you know what no. that was. Netflix was... A for the first search engine Netflix or one of the first uh, not Netflix uh, what was it called Netscape Netscape yeah. oh yeah Netflix is the fucking the media the yeah. movie company <laughs> Netscape um, yeah Netscape do you yeah, remember that my father that? was using it yeah so then Alter Vista then yeah. Yahoo yeah yeah I mean Yahoo still exists which yeah. is weird yeah. once in a while I'll see a Yahoo 10 years ago it was much more much more, much no. more present so I wonder if in 10 years God, I maybe. forgot about you. <laughs> well, I, I've Shit. read that, that Facebook is developing their AOL. own. AOL, whoever thought that would disappear. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was the biggest monster. Yeah. You're right. Blockbuster video. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, yeah, these things won't last forever, but... Yeah. yeah eventually it will switch. <clears throat> Unless all that... There's some sun flare and wipes out all of our <laughs> technology. Yeah, that would fry more than half of the art world. <clears throat> yeah. I grew up reading these stories like mm -hmm. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Moby Dick and yeah. 80, what is it, Around the World in 80 Days, all these, yeah. these kind of fictional adventure stories when I was a kid, all based on kind of that story of the scientist who goes out in the field in the turn of the century, like in the 1800s or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I, these things really happen, right? Yeah. That long, and so in a way, you're putting yourself as one of those fictional characters. Precisely. Like trying and to find the whale or trying to go around the world in 80 days in a hot air balloon or, you know, that's the sort of romance of it. It's like this... And it's a romance that clashes completely against, let's say, the political upheavals of the, of the last 30 years yeah. or something. But then you have this whole other elements the works where it's very contemporary it's very much talking about things now i mean you could say it's political you could say it's environmental you could say it's yeah um, and, or it's talking about technology and but what i really like about the whole thing is that i'll say the whole concept is that it really was started out as, a, as the idea of what happens if i walk follow the horizon and that was has always been my main goal yeah and then while exploring it all these other meta levels opened up one after the other in front of me and obviously I need to address it. It's a byproduct. I mean, it's not a byproduct, but it was something that perhaps was lurking in the background all the time. And then 
hate me. And sometimes you don't know, things come up you didn't even know about. I guess people commenting or reacting. Yeah, precisely. Are people able to comment as they watch? Um, and it's live streaming, right? When you're doing it. Um, like, like I said, now, not anymore. It's, it's, okay. it's always a post. I, mean, I, I have this blog. So let's say the artwork in, it, the artwork in itself, it's a blog, an online blog, mm -hmm. where I put all the, all the videos and the updates of the, of the trip. And yeah, there, well, there would be the, the, there is the, the chance to, to comment underneath. I never received any comment, of any written comment. Yeah. It was always from friends who witnessed the whole thing. Yeah. But the, the biggest change that I want to do from, from the next year it's to shift everything towards uh, Instagram and using Insta stories to, as a, as a format because I think it's much more, uh, it has much more, um, I mean, the, the blog will still exist and it will serve as a sort of a mothership, <coughs> as a backup. Or well, Instagram really, it's easier to, like I barely use my artist website anymore. I'll post on Instagram because people look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> Who point. Who goes to your website? You no, know? But, it's, but since and since and I, you can I, interact with other people. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that Makes would be. Sense. It's the public forum. It's the public forum, and 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 I think the format of Insta Stories, that is to say, sharing where you are, what you're doing on a regular basis, mm -hmm. almost like a dystopic regular basis. I I, I like to in a way. That makes sense. To make some sort of parody also of this. And they system. have live. Yeah. As well. Precisely, yeah. We actually, during the opening, um, Sophie, she recorded live on my phone. Yeah, I didn't even I know she was doing that. So people were watching. I had no idea she did that. Yeah, yeah you, were, like, you were on air. Yeah, that was kind of funny, actually. Which is cool. I, I probably should do that more often when yeah. there's events. Yeah. Um, Yes, and people were telling me like they were watching it. My friend Javier in Norway, who does Vector with me, mm -hmm, yeah, he was watching. I didn't even know he was watching. He's like, "Oh, that was cool watching." It's better that you didn't know. Yeah, it doesn't. Matter. <laughs> no, <you don't. laughs> it's so easy to be critical of anything, and then yet. At the same time, you're like using technology and phones for everything, and like you're, you know what I'm saying? Yes. You're like. Well, I, I, I am really skeptical about critical books that really narrow down the problem. As a, as a fanatic of the big picture, I need books like that to make to be this happy. This looks cool. This is really really cool. The patterning in instinct. It's talking about. It's art. It starts out with like uh, with humanity the, as a pattern, or something? no? It starts yeah. out with uh, with uh, with the, the evolution of the human brain within within the first apes, and since we started to make patterns and to understand patterns in nature, so that we developed language, so patterns in our signs, and also patterns in our in the, the emergence of abstract thinking, and it became a history of religions, but mostly because it explains how we evolved our sense of giving meaning to things. It's really interesting. Jeremy Lent, yeah. Patterning Instinct. Cultural History of Humanity's Search for Meaning. Yeah, I'd like to read that. It's a nice tome. Also really light to read. It's packed with information, yeah. but it's... I like reading too. I was part of a book club for a while, ah. of, and we read one nonfiction book a month. So. I miss fiction, I have to say, or novels. I really miss them because I'm yeah. just drowning in No, it was nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, novels. Yeah, I, I, I miss it. I still read novels. I love science fiction. So. Ah, yeah. Uh, okay, so to go 
where we left off. Are we rolling? Yeah. So this project is going to go on for 10 years. You're actually going to keep Probably. doing it. Yeah. I love as the long commitment. As I, can. I gravitate towards things that take a long time. I just like, I don't know why I like it. Maybe I like to be punished. Or <laughs> I have to feel like I did something that really yeah, when you, was when long. You and turn hurt. around and look what you achieved in the last you know, 20 years. There's something fulfilling about that. But you do it more than me. Like You take longer than I do for your project. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, okay. I've met my match. You know? <laughs> this is the only project I could really allow myself to think as, as a long-running uh, long one. Because if I would... But you're going to do it. Yeah, right. yeah. And unless I, you die. Unless I die. Yeah, yeah. we'll or, stick to or it. Or my, my router dies. I hope or you something. stick to it. I'm your one fan. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I, I, I'm really, really excited to, to switch to, to, to Instagram. I'll actually watch it if you do that. Yeah, well. But I'm not going to go to your blog. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. And also because, yeah, it's also, yeah. How do I even get, to, like. Well, but, but this is, the, if I, because I didn't have Instagram in 2017, this yeah. is why I, because probably yeah. otherwise I would have kept it there. But yeah. I liked more the, the concept of a, of, a, of a website because you do have more control and more Well, I think it's important more. to keep that going yeah, because yeah, historically, yeah. that's actually going to be the storage of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah Whereas on like Instagram, to me, it's about now. And yeah, I never have the, con yeah. the, the concept of grasping in its totality yeah. something no. with Instagram. It's always so you it's do the need eternal, both. like you said, it's the eternal now. Yeah. What are the, some of the things that came up? You said some things came up conceptually and politically and all these things and that you didn't really think about when you first... The first vision is very clear. It's like, I want to walk around the world. Yeah. So, but now, I remember you talking about last year, there's some issues about... Well, it, the first meta level that, that popped up was when I decided to go left or right. And back then I was reading into, into the, another book, obviously another book about the history of humankind and uh, the idea to walk east or walk west. So to sail west was, I was I will, in a way, in my mind, I was mirroring two moments of European history. So shall I walk the Silk Road? or sail to the Americas. And to be honest, I don't know why I decided to, to go first west and decided to sail. Well, it just, maybe it felt right. It felt. But then there's a, a reason for that. You, don't, you know what I mean? If you dig deeper, you don't know what it is, but you could put meaning behind that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I guess it felt, well, in a way, since I've already uh, I've been well, there was this con the, the point of familiarity in Western Europe that made me feel more familiar walking through it. And uh, also, there was the... I knew for a fact that the, the policies of Google, since everything is rebuilt in 3D, I would have had more chance to interact with 3D objects and 3D cities if I would have moved uh, west other than east, because... Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because the infrastructure. The majority of the the Earth in Google Earth, it's yeah. still two D. It's still uh, like a texture yeah. glued on a surface. And, but uh, all of America is pretty three dimensional now. Yeah, so. precisely. Yeah. North of Italy is as well. The south of Italy yeah. is absolutely not. So yeah, it was more of a choice of how much I want to entertain myself. Even though in the middle of France, I found myself walking for weeks into two-dimensional landscape. What happens when it's two-dimensional? You just have, it's like a picture taken from a satellite of the entire city, but glued. 
So cars are on the same level as roofs and everything But what else. does it look like on the, your feed or your... It's just a... Is a dot moving? Like, uh, what do you see when you're looking through the goggles? Well, what I am see I seeing an, when you're going on a two-dimensional? I see an entire, well, a three-dimensional landscape. So the sky above the earth. And if there are some hills, uh, they're mapped. So the, the, the surface of the earth is, is shaped alongside those hills. But, but it's not accurate. Trees and everything, they're not rendered in 3D on top of the original surface. They're just glued as a texture on top of this land. So it looks like a De Kiriko painting, okay. but flat. If all the objects would be flat on the surface. Oh, weird. I think I have to look at it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting in the beginning, but then it becomes insanely boring. And I remember how I cheered when after weeks I walked by and then I reached, I think, the outskirts of Lyon in France, and I saw for the first time a three-dimensional cityscape I on the horizon. I would love to see when somebody discovers this project like 200 years from now. <laughs> if we, let's just assume we make it that long. Yeah. These are the things that thrill me though, like picturing somebody in, way in the future, finding this in some, somewhere file on the internet. <laughs> Somehow, like, as some it. grad student. <laughs> and like, Found this the, lost look, imagine address. if you saw something from 1981 something like this in whatever form it was in then yeah, it would uh, it'd it be would kind of marvel cool. in all sympathy probably for but yeah the 80s are not i mean a lot of artists when they're doing things digital they go back to this kind of 90s aesthetic for some reason yeah with now it's like yeah, if animation right. and all that mm -hmm. i'm not sure why because it mirrors culture i mean now the, the fashion is in back in the 90s Instead of showing things that are contemporary technology, a lot of times they have this aesthetic of the 90s. There are, and, but yeah. I think it's, it's perhaps the, how do you say, I've seen a lot of these, what, what you're talking, what you're referring to, but I, I know for a fact that there are also, thankfully, others. Maybe it's more like in 2007, around then, 2005, 6, 7, there was all this art that all had this kind of blocky gif animation kind of yeah stuff well the, which was nostalgic in a way oh yeah the concept of nostalgia it's but yeah. it's permeating the entire the entirety of culture and, and politics as well anyways so that was but that was one one element the other element that it became clear but i didn't really want to 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 to, to push it too much was the obvious crossing borders constantly without any problem without, yeah because you know, any, because you're just walking through you just cross you're borders. just walk, walking through I didn't even think about the that. earth because that and that kind of rolls into that other project with the borders yeah but we'll talk about that in a little while yeah because it's kind of yeah it's stuck yeah you can just walk around the world you don't have to worry about if, like I'm going to Istanbul next week no. first time going nice. to Turkey Never I had there. to get a visa like you don't have to but I had to it's yeah. really easy to get a visa. You just go online and it costs $20. Mm -hmm. And I got it instantly. You know, I, after I did the email authentication, I, it just was there. Yeah. But you don't have to deal with anything like that. Um, but that is, that's, that, let's say I, it's an obvious byproduct. That, that's why I didn't want to, to, to put too much effort on it. And like a couple of people would tell me, like, oh, it's really political. You can cross borders. Like, yeah, of course you can. 
you can also visit a website of a Peruvian shoemaker. Also, what's the fuss all about? I mean, it's, it's... Well, there are borders on the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. There's firewalls. Mm -hmm. Some countries have firewalls. Um, the borders, so in a sense, borders. are uh, visual. Yeah. More than, uh, more than practical. Search. I mean, certain military areas, yeah. for example, military. mapped on, on, on Google Earth, they are not rendered in 3D. So you have in the middle of a city this flat, black, censored blob blob of pure black. Ooh, maybe that's a new project. Collecting all the black blobs uh, collecting the world. All the, yeah. yeah, China is going to be only 100% two-dimensional, uh, two I suppose, since... I don't know. I also maybe don't they know. have... I didn't want to spoil myself and look at it. You'll find out when you I get I want there. to find it out, yeah. The other thing is, as you're walking, are there people? No. That's the, the point that I wanted to... The next point that I wanted to mention is the pure solitude. How does Google map it without people? Because you see people in... When you zoom in, you know... In street view, yeah. Yeah, you see it, but when you're doing this... Because it's... Well, first of all, because the texture are really, really raw. So even cars, they look like blobs. They, you, you know that it's a car because it's a blob that, that kind of grows from the surface of the, of the street with textures of a car glued on it, but it's really, really low quality. But by the time you get to America, is it going to be better and better and better? That's the point. It evolves as I walk, and it's also really interesting. This program for the Oculus it's supposed to, to let you fly through the city, so uh, to have a bird's eye view, fly through the skyscrapers and not necessarily glue yourself to the ground and walk the ground. And that was, um, I mean, I knew that from the beginning that the quality of my environment would be, would have always been as less realistic as possible. It looks like I'm in a video game of the early 90s, which I grew up with and it makes me feel But really I wonder when you get to the border of America if it's gonna be all of a sudden clearer. I wonder if it's going to look like Street View. I wonder. I, I have no idea, to be no. honest. When you're rowing, do you know where you're going to hit? No. Do you ever go... How do you stop yourself from going in a circle or around? I follow the sun. So I know that the okay. sun is there and it's setting there. So more or less, I'm going in the direction of the sun. So it's pure west. And I'm aiming... Uh, I didn't want to go on a straight line, so from Spain straight, following the, the, the latitude. I wanted to go slightly south, so that I could perhaps reach the Bermuda Islands first, and then probably Florida or Mexico, if I'm, if I'm steering too much. You're going to have to south. make decisions. Where you walk in, are you going to walk through Mexico, are you going to walk through the United States, Canada? One idea was, well, if I, if I reach Mexico, I really wouldn't want to cross Mexico horizontally and then start after a month to, to sail yeah. again for the rest of my life. I mean, if it were me, I would go life. to New York and then go down. Yeah, I would like to, 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 to cross the States. And uh, I thought that if this rowing advent, because rowing it's, for this project is one of the most boring and... and, and it's just the ocean. It's just the ocean it's just and it's, it's really, it's badly... They mapped what, what, what is interesting is that it's not a flat surface, they mapped the bottom of the ocean. So oh. I'm basically, in I see blue hills and mountains, and, 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 and it's always an up and down. And 
I have to admit, I, I'm starting to get really, really uh, VR sick. Yeah, that can After happen. a while, that, that really happened. And I that also developed... That happens to people I know who, not VR, but with drones. I don't know if my brain was ready to tackle this, this project, but I, I, I grew, like, since... You're probably getting brain damage. I, probably, yeah, because since a while, <laughs> I'm starting no, to be immensely disturbed by immense objects. And it, it, it happened to me the first time when I, was, when I reached oh, the Alps. Oh, there's a psychological effect. Yeah, I was on the Alps and behind me there was this, I was the, the, the Matterhorn, the, the mountain in, in Switzerland. It was so big. And normally if I'm in the mountains, you know, you want, so you admire the, the whole landscape. Yeah. You're not terrified by it. But in, in virtual reality, I was completely terrified and had to stop for a week or something. And then slowly always look on the ground because if I would look around, I would get completely overwhelmed by these gigantic objects next to me. And the thing that pisses me the most is that it triggered, it translated back into the, the physical reality in which if I'm tired or something and I'm in front of a gigantic skyscraper, I am, uh, I, I panic. Wow, I didn't even think about it. And I googled that. it and it's called megalophobia. <laughs> it's There's a, a name for it. It's a, it's a, phob it's a fucking megalophobia. phobia. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I need to get over it because this project needs to continue yeah. and I don't want to be fully damaged for the rest of my life. But yeah, that was one of my byproducts that wasn't necessarily... I really didn't think about it in the beginning. So yeah, well, the, the idea I think I, I, will, I will walk through America. If I, I hope to land on the coast of South America so that I could walk up north, cross the United States border and... Uh, the idea would be actually to, to walk back the early human migrations into, into the Americas. So walk back to Canada, Alaska, the Bering Strait, and then into Russia and walk all the way back to, to Europe from okay. there. So skipping the Pacific Ocean entirely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Because it's going to well, be... Well, you already did an ocean. <laughs> I will, and the yeah, Pacific Ocean I will have, be like... It's twice as big. I can't do that. Yeah. I can't. Next will be Mars. <laughs> it's already there. Not for VR, though. No. I don't but we're going to go to Mars if Elon Musk gets his way. Yeah. It's going to happen. Well, I thought of, uh, um, of driving on Mars. Yeah. Uh, he already sent or, a I wonder Tesla how mapped. The moon is pretty ma well mapped. Yeah, so it is. I don't think there's Google Moon. <laughs> on Google Earth... For the website, you can, uh, I mean, not on the website, but if you download Google Earth, the program mm -hmm. for your computer, then you have the, the, the choice to load uh, the, moon. the moon, Mars, Pluto, Mercury, and Venus. And it's all the satellite imagery yeah. that we've mapped. Yeah. Um, Pluto has been mapped. There are also some pinpoints on Pluto already. It's That's pretty cool. Some interesting places that you can. It's not a planet anymore. Yeah, but then it became a planet again and then not again. Yeah. Well, there, there there's are. so many planets now that are yeah. bigger than Pluto. or They're not planets, but... Yeah. Objects. So I don't know what other projects you want to talk about. I mean, maybe we can talk about, like, what are you working on right now? Mm. Right now <laughs> I'm, like, I'm experimenting a lot because I've, I've been in Taipei for three months. You were there for three months while I was back? I was in there the from April, yeah, from April to July. Yeah, I think you were in the USA. So you were gone from April to July. I was here. 
Ah. For some of it. Um, ah, yeah, for, for Vector. No, for the, um, the Munich Biennial. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I was here. So you were there. Maybe that's why I didn't see you then when I was here in the summer. I was Might here be. for like two months in the summer. I don't think... Did I see you? I don't remember. Well, we met really briefly at the, at the, the right. opening of the, yeah. of the... In the House of Kunst. Okay. Then I was already back. What did you do there? Well, and what was that? It was a residency? It was a residency, yeah. So you applied? Mm -hmm. I applied. And How did you some... even hear about it? In Taipei, you said? Yeah, okay. Taiwan. Um, it was a, it's, a, it's a residency organized by this, this um, Lars. Yeah, he's in the doing. vector. Yeah. I love Lars. And he, he organizes this residency. Yeah. Oh, so he... I didn't realize it was both ways. I thought it was a one-way. No, no, no. Green. He invites. It's it's a tandem. So oh, he invites a Korean artist, uh, okay. Taiwanese artist, yeah. and yeah. And uh, yeah, this year, I was the. I guess he has. There's a facility there. Yeah, yeah. He has contact with his Taipei artist village, and it's the, the facilities there are outstanding. There's a gallery and a studio and a gallery place to studio. Live. And uh, it was great. It was my first time in Asia in, in the first place. So I, I spent an entire month being completely overwhelmed by the culture. And I wanted to absorb as much as I could because everything was fascinating. And that kind of impeded me from, from, from doing some real focused research. I think one of the great things about these residencies is you just get to encounter another culture. And yeah. As, sometimes uh, I, people... Like in New York and Brooklyn, when people come to a residency from Europe, they feel this push to work, and I'm kind of like, you should probably see New York because you can work at home, like absorb That's a lot, and then you bring it back with you. you can, yeah. Because once you're gone, if you're just working in the studio, you could do that at home. So. Yeah, that's that's true. In a way, I. I was lucky enough not to not to not to be able to finish what I wanted to do in the beginning. Because I, uh, let's say, I wanted to film into a karaoke building where you, you know, this is predominantly Asian type of karaoke situation where groups rent t small rooms. They all gather around in small rooms and they sing. And I wanted to film through the corridors and, and get all sorts of uh, audio from coming mm -hmm. from. But it was not possible because the, as they told me, most of those karaoke buildings are owned by the Taiwanese mafia. Okay. So I thought, <laughs> I don't want to die because of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you could have met with them and told them you're doing an art project. Yeah. The mafia. <laughs> maybe, maybe they would. They People would have are pretty open. Somehow we can navigate. No, but they, the moment I, saw, I, I went the, before asking them, I went inside with the camera because I wanted to do yeah. some, some documentation pictures. They kicked me out instantly. Yeah. So, okay, but 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 if people are going there with their phones and doing Insta stories, then it's fine. Right. As long as you have a camera, then you are yeah. an enemy of. Uh, well, you don't know what's going on there. Privacy is probably really important. Yeah, but then what if you, I mean, if you can film with your phone, why can't you film with a camera? I don't know. It's different. It's, it's interesting. But anyway, so I, I didn't manage to finish that, which was, but I absorbed the, the, the thing that, that I absorbed the most was um, the musicality of it all. Because everything there has a, has a jingle, the, the trash uh, truck has a jingle that when it stops it plays this jingle so that everybody would c come in the street and drop their, their things inside. I was surrounded by so much music. I didn't know that. Well, huh. I, I, at least to me, maybe, perhaps I was at that time I was sensible more towards music than towards the visual arts. And uh, I mean, we don't know what hits us when you go to a new place. No, that's the point. I brought my synthesizer with me there and I started to compose some music. 
and then it became clear that I, I think the next steps of what I'm working right now is trying to develop uh, a format in which I could, I could um, like a, obviously a performative format in which uh, music would merge into storytelling and into like, creating settings in which I perform. I forget music's a big part of your life too, right? It, it is it, since two years, not, not okay. like pretty fairly recently. Um, and um, so in, I came back with the idea of making my next project as a musical album and translate into texts, I mean, into lyrics and, and, uh, and, and music, the, the topics that I have always been interested in. And uh, it obviously was a bigger challenge than, than expected. So it kind of, this album project, which is going to probably contain five to six songs, okay. not many, it slowed down. I started really hardcore, but then I'm yeah, full of set up since it's the first time I'm doing something like this. I'm experimenting a lot. And now I'm working on a performance that I'm going to do in, uh, in May. In storytelling. A storytelling. Like I'm, I'm writing a story that I'm going to half, how do you say, recite and half sing. And uh, with some melodies, some beats in it. And oh, that sounds cool. Some inflatable sofas. Where are you doing it in May? Because I, well. No, I said, a, where, where are you doing it in May? I'm at Lars's at Lars's space? Lars's. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll be here. No, be I'd cool. like to see that. Because I, I have, you're describing it to me, but I have no sense of what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Well, I, I, I can... I'll I can, have to see it. I can give you a I brief can't. teaser trailer. I, yeah. I want to have some, some inflatable uh, sofas, transparent, made of, uh, as, um, do you know this, tardigrade? It's like... Yeah. A, yeah. The... This, the most the resilient... prehistoric... It, yeah, they can exist in space. Yeah. Wait, you talked about them last time. Why were you talking about tardigrades last time? I, probably because I was already... No, no, it was... No, no, you were thinking about it? I have always been thinking about it. Also because the, the Deutsches Museum is bombarding us with, with um, advertising in which on their posters there is this tardigrade. Yeah, what, tell me about the tardigrade. It's one of the most resilient creatures on the planet. And okay. they, uh, they never evolved since millions of years. They're always the same because they can survive next to volcanic... They don't uh, need to evolve. They've kind they, of they, they achieved the, the ultimate, how do you say, they overcame the ultimate survival obstacle. And what are they, literally? They, are, they live in water and they're microscopic animals. They, they're called uh, arthropods. But it's, a, it's not a bacteria. It's no, like, it's they natural. eat bacteria. You could, the, the biggest ones, they're like half a millimeter big. You could actually see them with the naked eye. And are they everywhere? They live in water mostly. Okay. They... But, or next to the most extreme conditions where a human being would die instantly. So the bottom of the ocean next to the, how do you say the... With all the pressure. With all the pressure in next mm -hmm. to the volcanic wood. Yeah. Or they survive in space and, and all the chat. And since the, I read an article that to make a test of um, tardigrade surviving in space, the Israeli uh, space program put them on a spaceship a spaceship, put them on a, on, a, on a lunar probe that crashed on the moon. And there was this, there is still this theory that, and it happened some, I think a couple of decades ago, or some, definitely some years ago, and uh, it was half of, a, half of a scientific joke, but then maybe not really a joke. Let's say perhaps the first life on the moon, it's tardigrades that we brought there. Yeah, that's... And they survived there for a while. That's kind of scary, though, because we can infect we can infect another 
yeah planet yeah. precisely so and the story i'm writing about it's it's about a hypothetical scenario in which the tardigrades landed on the moon i mean crashed on the moon yeah. they not only did they survive but they thrived and then when the the, na the next humans will arrive there is a scenario that yeah and it's like this sci-fi story then they evolve <laughs> I, I, I like that in a way I, it's I, a great story i wanted to is that one of the songs this is one of the songs okay. yeah yeah or it's i think the song the songs are going to be only tiny snippets of this big story yeah that i'm going to tell but the format that i i mean this is a, and yeah precisely and the, the room is going to be filled with with these sofas shaped shaped like tardigrades where people could chill on and Oh, that's cool. I mean, I um, I actually don't see that many storytelling types. When I was young, there was so much of it. When mm. I was really young, but that was a big part of history, right? Where you'd have these traveling yeah. performers who would yeah. tell stories, and I guess that's how people got their news, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, oh, this is cool. I want to. I hope I'm here. Yeah. Um. So that's what you're working on. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. The whole thing just sounds yeah, pretty yeah, crazy. Absolutely. But in, in a way, I wanted to, obviously, to, to, to deliver the same messages yeah. that I would deliver, for example, with the, with the, with the sun work. But I needed, or let's say, I, 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 I wanted to try something new. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, since i never done this, I wanted to try out. If it turns out like shit, then so be it. I will yeah, I, I feel that way too. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. We're kind. Of, we're so, we're kind of crazy that way. We do these. Sometimes we just do these weird, meaningless. Things. Yeah, because we're scared of adapting to one to one medium that it's gonna that we're gonna bring with into the grave. I mean, I I, I really want to. I'm not that way either. Um, and I kind. But I respect people who are who do do that. Like I think there's. It's just as interesting. Somebody who does one thing. Well, it's not one thing, but they focus on something specific and then they spend a lifetime doing a million variations. Yeah. And that's also commitment. Definitely. You know? But perhaps yeah. people like us commit to the cause or commit to the idea or the commit to, to the concepts yeah. and then however we achieve those concepts, then, then we can test. Yeah, more like that. I, when people ask me, what do I do? I mean... I guess I think of myself as a painter, but I really been saying um, project based. So it depends on the project. Yeah, it might need paintings, it might need video, it might need something else. Um, but maybe the drive is always the same between the con between the paintings and the yeah. The way I approach video and photography is more like a painter. Yeah, but yeah, but project based is the best definition. That's what I've been saying. Instead of multimedia, because that doesn't feel accurate either. I don't really work. I don't think of myself as a multimedia artist. Yeah, it, it automatically implies the, the concept of media. Yeah, and that and you what have if you do to a have. Performance have and you just I mean, scream. I did a show. My last solo show was all painting. Yeah. So, and then I haven't. Everything I've been doing in Munich has been all video. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I always disagree with these uh, etiquettes. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't function. Doesn't work like that anymore since decades. I mean, my family thinks I'm a little crazy with the video. They're like, how are you going to sell that or survive, you know? <laughs> well, first I need to do it. Yeah. Then I'm going to be happy. But you don't think about that at all. You're just no. doing the projects. I think, I mean, there's a lot available. So you like residencies and grants and you can, 
right now there's a lot going on to support that right there so, is i mean thankfully i have a side job that i'm <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> that's that's important yeah. but um and it seems like but, you're able to show the work which is the key yeah a lot of times there's a push to get a gallery and that kind of thing and um but it's not really necessary if your goal is to make projects and show them i don't think anybody will ever have a problem no of course not but yeah I, i'll say i'm yeah I, I would say that my aim is more uh, grant focused than gallery focused if they're available i mean we don't have that many grants in the united states so <laughs> better but they exist they do um there's i mean in a way it's not that different uh Mm. Instead of a government thing, we have a non-profit. Yeah. A very healthy non-profit. Which so is, they get the government grants. Yeah. So then they do projects for artists. You know, we have these residencies. It's kind of an amazing thing. Where you, as a human being, you can go to Taipei for three months. Think of the freedom in that. Um, Immense. At the beginning, also I overwhelming. Mean, I know a lot of people who make a lot of money and they can't do up and go somewhere for three months yeah. like that. I guess that's the thing that the, one of the benefits of living an artist lifestyle is there's a certain amount of flexibility. Yeah. Because you don't have to, you're not necessarily trapped into a scenario. You don't want to be trapped. But then scenario. again, you're living a different lifestyle because you're not necessarily stable enough to maybe have relationships or <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, well, it's, yeah, yeah, point taken. Or, uh, yeah, it's a different system. It really is. I I'm think trying to think of something else that's that free. I mean, even I, when I think of music bands, they'll go on tour. Mm -hmm. I think in, in my my scenario and scenarios of all my friends who are also artists what really independently of their how shitty our side jobs are how well paid or anything or how successful we are within the art world it's really the freedom that it's the freedom of having an idea and putting all your energies and resources into having this idea done and 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 so and this on repeat forever And I am with you. I think it's amazing. Independent. But it's such a weird thing because yeah. we do it. If you think of, say, a scientist or somebody who has a tech company, mm -hmm. it's similar, right? Yeah, you have definitely. an idea and you research it, but there is actually an infrastructure where you can survive and get paid. And if you have a tech company, you are trying to raise money to do that idea. Or somebody making a film. Yeah. And artists are strange because we'll do it regardless of, yeah. It's kind of a strange thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, there are also it, some, some, some... People outside of this must think it's insane because it's the, like... All my colleagues think yeah. it's insane. There's this whole ecosystem of people around the world who... Ecosystem. Eco, ego. <laughs> ego system. Yeah, that fits too. There's an <laughs> yeah. ecosystem of people yeah. around the world. Well, you definitely have to have an ego. Uh, around the world of people devoting all their energy and time and education and everything to fiction. Yeah. Because it, the scientist is actually trying to push the scientific knowledge forward and 
in ways that can be proved and that will last. <laughs> yeah. And then... And that brings the questioning forward. I've been... I, well, I came to the realization and a lot of... Let's say most of my, my social environment as well, that um, the arts and the sciences are, are not opposites at all. They are really, really like twin sisters. Because, um, I mean, the creative thought um, is, I mean, a, a good scientist needs to be creative as well in, in how to, yeah. uh, mathematics is pure creativity if you think about it as well, in that sense. I guess that, yeah, like I said, the, the, the two are, are really closer, like, as, like the, the two faces of the same coin in, in a way, that is try to explain the world how it works this way, why it, perhaps science tries to understand why the, the world works this way and, uh, and, and, and the arts for what reason it works this way or for what purpose. But also religion does that, I mean, for what's the purpose of the world and why does it work this way? I think it's all the creative, uh, all the intellectual processes or faculties of the human brain, whether it's the arts, the religion, it's this constant push of trying to understand what surrounds us and why in the first place. And the sciences, in a way, are starting to, um, to get together in trying to, into, get a, into getting a better picture because in, when, when it all started, it was, they were divided. It's like biology is biology and doesn't have anything to do with astronomy, but they are the same in a way. And uh, the arts has always been combining multiple aspects of, of the same, um, how do you say? of the same reality. It tried to, to always de ex describe reality taking from all sorts of uh, aspects of human life, whereas the scientists for, for a while they've been really, really narrow in doing so. But since, I guess, since the, since this, this, this constant, the, the quest of trying to merge quantum mechanics and, uh, and, and relativity, and it's like it needs to be, they need to be merged because they are they, they, they have to function together and nobody really figures out how they function together. And then came the biological, the, 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 the ecological movements uh, from the 50s on. And one of the biggest, uh, how do you say, battle horses of them was, we need to gather scientists from all the aspects of, of the scientific, scientific field to develop a model of the world that, that, that really, really works and it's really explainable. And this is, yeah, the birth of the bigger picture, you know, the, the pictures from the, the photographs from the from, from NASA, the first, the pale blue dot, and all this. this yeah, yeah. It I triggered this this chain of thought, and people, the arts merged much more with the sciences in this bigger picture idea. It sounded really chaotic. I hope that makes, it sense. makes sense. Okay, it really relates to me what you said about the two sides of the same coin. Yeah, and I don't know how. I mean, from the artist's point of view, it seems like that. I mean, from the scientist's point of view, it might not, you know. But yeah. uh, they do seem open. Um, I have a feeling that they're somehow serving core, some core function. Yeah. 
like we, there's a need for yeah. both. It's this quest for meaning, understanding or meaning, or maybe it's just evolution and it manifests when you have a brain that's what like evolution i guess is entropy so maybe entropy when you have a brain entropy is sort of happen it's like a force right so maybe that's what happens when it hits the brain it it forms this like evolutionary process it's constantly trying to yeah well arts I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> I made less sense than you. <laughs> but um, it's been around since... since I mean, that's, in a way, that's how we know about the past, is because of the art, besides the bones and the... Yeah. Um, you mean the, 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 the cave painting? Yeah, right? any cave painting or sculpture yeah. or tool. Well, I'm really, any creative really, anything. Yeah. Um, oh, then this book is going to really, really yeah. blow your mind. I'll, I'll love... Yeah, I'm excited to read. <laughs> I'm wondering if as things get more and more automated and with AI taking, uh, being able to, if, if we have this sort of advanced AI and it's able to handle a lot of the tasks, mm -hmm. then maybe the role of the artist becomes more and more important because the, and I mean artists as creative, a creative yeah. mind becomes more and more important because uh, you have, once you have a calculator, You don't have to sit there and do math. Mm -hmm. You can think of a, you can scale up. Yeah. And because you have this tool. So I'm wondering if as we scale up with artificial intelligence and robotics and nanotechnology, all these things, in a way we get closer and closer to what the artist is doing. Creating stories, creating, uh, trying to understand patterns and put all these things together that maybe that becomes more and more important. Well, there is this, this AI that um, developed a <clears throat> musical symphony. And it, it works, and it works. And yeah. it's beautiful. And if you hear it, it's because music is mathematics in the end. And it's mathematical ratios between the, between yeah. the notes that create, the, that gives us the feelings that, that we feel because it vibrates within our nervous system. And music is the way that we do mathematics on a physical level. Yeah, yeah. Like But if bodies, an AI can do that, also better than the majority of, peop of, of, of us, then it really makes you think, okay, art might be next. How come when we developed a calculator, which was in, like when did the first calculator come out where you could just buy it cheaply in, I don't know, in the 70s or maybe the 60s? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we weren't like, oh my God, the <laughs> this the calculator is doing math better than us. We have to be afraid. Nobody even really noticed. They're like, oh, this is cool. And then there was this push like, well, you're not allowed to use the calculator in uh, class. <laughs> But now that doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is, now you're right. just yeah. because music has mathematical, you can create an algorithm that makes music just as good as, say, Mozart mm -hmm. or whatever. I don't know why that would be a threat. Because music is mathematical, what... It says to me is it's kind of amazing that human beings can create music like that, like a, because com a it's sort of a computer, a machine or an artificial. Well, it's a brain in the yeah, end. Yeah, an artificial. I mean, that seems like it would be should be better at us, if music is mathematical, it should be better. Than, but it sort of amazes me that we're actually this hominid or uh, that we're we're able to do that. 
You know, like the chess issue. The, yeah. When Kasparov got beaten by the yeah, the what was it? Deep Blue or Watson? Which one? Deep Blue. Yeah. Deep Blue. Yeah. And he was really. I heard a, an interview with him, and he was really upset for a year. And but then afterwards, he was like, "Wait a minute. Chess is a mathematical game. There's only a finite amount of moves, its patterns." And he goes, of course the computer will do it better. We shouldn't really think it's more a matter of it's amazing that human beings can do this. And I wonder if, if, if there would be an AI that would ease up, let's say, the, the role of the artist, then what would the artist need to do? I think we're talking sci-fi here. Because yeah, I, I think I mean, it, nothing comes to my mind. Well, could, let's say... Like an automatic matching between a title and an object. Yeah, I mean, you could have artificial artists. Yeah, why not? I think that's fine. An algorithm that learns from itself is already a piece of art. Yeah, I mean, if you have some non-biological system that we created that can do everything we can do, then better, then we'll, by that time, we'll either be integrated with it or we will kind of fade off and that'll continue. Yeah. But it's humanity will continue. It's like, and it'll get better. It's just, it might not be a biological creature, mm -hmm. <laughs> animal, yeah. but, or we, or we as biological creatures integrate at the same moment. I mean, that's happening. We're integrate. Oh God, I'm talking too much. I should be hearing from you. This is an interview with you. And you just bring, I just, like I said, I could cut a lot of this out. Yeah. Because yeah, it's more it about you. What do you think yeah. about this? So. About what specifically? <laughs> because this is a lot of... Well, this is a common thing that people are talking about. There's a certain fear that we are going to be replaced or mm -hmm. that our time is up. What do you think about that? Because it came up. You brought it up. Yeah. So I remember a, a lecture from... Um, this like became like a superstar of the uh, historian, this Yu Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote Homo mm -hmm. Deus and Homo Sapiens. Yeah. And uh, I read both books, and they're fairly, fairly interesting. But I, th I found him to be, as an author, to be much more interesting while uh, giving lectures or in, in interviews and talks. Um, because then the, the, the questions that will arise are much more specific. And brought precisely to, to this question, he said, in the end, and I think I completely agree with him, in the end, uh, certain, obviously certain jobs, certain professions will, will be replaced. And, um, but the most humane ones, that, are, that is to say philosophers and historians, these are the figures that will stay around longer. And perhaps I would also add art artists, because it's... Um, as machines need to be taught to do something the same question for example this the, the, the self-driving cars should the car hit the the old lady or the baby it's a philosophical question yeah it's, it's an ethical could be a logical one but it's ethical philosophical and, and we don't even know what the right ethics is precisely so maybe we'll actually figure out what the right ethics is because of this yeah yeah well all these different philosophies of ethics right now could be. Maybe we'll actually find a global yeah. ethics because of that. But yeah, this is one side. The other side is in, in these times of the constant present, where 
history is being rewritten, is being negated, is being completely uh, historians and, and, the, and the, the, polit the actual politics, national politics are failing to, to succeed because they are just, in a way, they're all victims of the, of the global market that has much more power than the single states. Then what you need is a figure, is a, for example, the, the, the figure of a historian that has a completely clear overview of the direction of history that uh, since 10,000 years is, is occupying human culture and obviously together with scientists and, 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 and ecologists and whatsoever, philosophers, the, the, an alternative solution could be found. And these are roles that uh, the machine cannot do. I guess I think why would a machine make art? Because it's fictional. There would be no desire. I can no. understand an art project where an artist makes a machine that does it. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. they're talking about humanity and all these things, conceptual. But I'm saying why would a machine want to make art on its own? If you give a machine a task, and let's say it's, it's an artificial intelligence on its own. Yeah. It would want to perfect that task. But... Why would it have a desire to make art? It's, it doesn't really have... I can understand why it would want to solve an equation or solve... A well, art is the, the, the culmination of abstract thinking. So you could say that a machine, an AI right now, it's much more aligned with, uh, let's say, the brain of, I don't know, a worm? Yeah. But it wants to solve a task, right? Or a squirrel. Like it wants you, to solve a task. Like, you put a squirrel, you put the, you know, the nuts behind the glass, it needs to go through the glass, it gets a nut. And that I understand, and science, science. is doing that as well. Yeah. But why would it want to do art? Because we're not solving any problems. No, this is the thing. See I, what I mean? No, what I think, desire would there be? I think that if the if artificial intelligence would, become, would develop an, um, the biggest obstacle that uh, artificial intelligence needs to overcome before being creative is abstract thinking. That is to say, connecting patterns that don't have necessarily a connection, a logical connection, but they have a meaningful connection. So the moment that an artificial intelligence can grasp the concept of meaning, then it's blown all out creativity. It could understand... So if I hear what you're saying, you're saying that when it, if it reaches a, what we would call the consciousness, yeah, yeah, that then it would, it would have the same desire, yeah, to have a quest for meaning, yeah, beyond just like science. Because yeah. I could understand it having a quest to figure out all the answers to the universe, but that's different from art. We don't ever achieve any real answer. It's all kind of fictionalized. Perhaps the the steps of how. Uh, an artificial intelligence could develop art. And I guess that if it would first become conscious, self-conscious, it would first try to give meaning to itself and to the, the world around it. This is why probably before developing art, it would develop some form of religion. But art doesn't really even fulfill a religious role either. That's but not anymore. Before it used to, and quite successfully. It was mapping... I, I guess it was a form of oral tradition. Before you have things written down mm -hmm. and people couldn't read, yeah. you could create a painting that tells the story and then, yeah. and then people could see that story. So it elevates the religion. It it's, advertises the religion. It, yeah, yeah, some sort of it, yeah, it, showing it, it off. It's like an information delivery system. Yeah, precisely. 
Inf maybe it's an information technology is a better way to think about art. We could, you know? yeah, it definitely is. It's a really strange, abstract information technology. Yeah, I, we're not going to figure this out, but <laughs> but I guess yeah, that's the thing. Can if something becomes conscious, will it have the same desire? I'm not sure. Maybe it'll only have a desire to do things that are functional and logical and rational. Or maybe it will have this quest for meaning, I'm not sure. But to be honest, the only brains are the brains of all the living beings that are here on planet Earth. And they're all the same. Some of them are less developed, others are more developed. And this is the only difference. By it's just, just a number of... Very little margins. Yeah, it's but just about how many synapses are there. Yeah, That's but imagine all. when you have, if you linked... Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming we're, we keep going in this direction. We're going to... Something's going to be superior to us. Either us, like a post-human kind mm -hmm. of integration, or something outside of us. And it'll be something way beyond anything. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of singularity thing. Um, or multiple singularities. And, I think I'm trying um, to figure out if, if, if a brain doesn't have a body, how it would perceive its environment and try to give meaning to its yeah. environment. Because what would it... So what I would it think? I don't know. <laughs> Since it doesn't see, it can see well, it could, everything at it the could same probably time. Think, it could probably think, uh, I am. It could probably think, uh, I think in parallel, I it could probably think millions of things all at once. You know, if you compare, say, a bacteria, or something that where it just reacts to one signal. Yeah. And it just, the, it only has the capability of like going in a different direction if it encounters something in front of it compared to what we're doing. You know? Yeah, Think yeah. of the difference between, say, a really simple one-celled animal and what we're doing with this 360-degree, like... Yeah, it's just the same... Yeah, so, it's the same difference. So it'll be that. It'll be... will be like the bacteria and whatever. Yeah. So for the bacteria, what we do, it's unthinkable. And we can't even conceive. No. Maybe it would be aware of It'll just be able to create millions of virtual worlds all at once, all doing different things all at once. Um, I don't know. We I, we could. For the I made one work about this actually. I'll oh, tell really? you about it later. Yeah, because oh. I don't want to talk about my stuff too much. But oh, I'm um, curious. I'll tell you about it after. Can um, we make a, a tiny break so that I could? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I read a book about the 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 history of music and uh, how music evolved uh, in the human brain and... I would love to read that too. You I, read some I, great books. I, you should make a book list for me. I, yeah, well, I have it here. You can take a picture of it. I'll post it. I bombarded it with, uh, with post-its because it's... Yeah, you're like, you really get into the book. Yeah. You probably take a long time. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, but I read it only once. Uh, this one, I really want to go through it again because cool. it's... Uh, I'm going to photograph these books. When yeah, I'm yeah. Done so I can get them. It developed... Yeah, it's, it asks the question... It tries to answer the question, what, what developed first, language or music? And in a way, music is part of language. Language is part of music. They co-evolved simultaneously. And from the singing of monkeys to phrasing, uh, it's, uh, at a, it tells the story at a certain moment... That, and they call it a historical moment that lasted probably millions of years. Right? Oh, sorry, hundreds of uh, thousands of years. So it's not that one person. And, um, and music 
first it was just uh, like uh, like communicating messages like like they, they makes the study with bonobos for example they say they have different pitches and different phrases musical phrases to say there is a there is an eagle or there is a leopard and they they saw that obviously while reproducing these phrasings the bonobos in the in the in the tests were reacting so they would play there is an eagle they would look for shelter on the ground and say if there is a there is a they would climb up the trees and and this is how probably the early hominids communicated with one another then with the emergence of and this is why i love like to read many books that yeah. all of a sudden they all come together mm-hmm. and with the evolution of abstract thinking they started to to give uh the, the phrases started to get more complex mm-hmm. and uh, at a certain point i really oh shit i really don't remember how it all began but there was a split in between music and and, and language but they came from the same yeah. root and uh language became more practical to convey uh logical thoughts or messages and music to convey emotions whereas in the beginning emotions and messages were the same because our brain was smaller and that's why music has much more power than visual arts in like core in 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 your own in your guts because it triggers parts of your brain that art can't reach that concludes episode 3 of the vector interview podcast I want to thank Federico Del Frati for participating on the project. It was an honor to talk with him. For more information about Federico, go to federico-delfrati.com. For information about our current and future vector projects, go to vector.bz. And you can find us on Instagram at 3_vector3_. If you like the podcast and you're feeling generous, we ask that you make a one-time contribution for the episode. 50% of the proceeds will go to the artist. You can also support all of the Vector projects by becoming an ongoing subscriber on our Patreon at patreon/vectorproductions. I am Peter Gregorio. You can find me on Instagram at peter_gregorio. And if you want to see my artwork, visit my website at petergregorio.com. Javier Barrios can be found at javierbarrios.com. And his Instagram is underscore Javier underscore Barrios. All of the music was generously provided by the amazing Liz Kosak. You can find her and check out her projects at zardcom.com. The title drops were provided by my comrade from the future, the German artist Sophie Lindner. I also want to thank Melissa Koberger for her help with research and writing. And a big thank you to our producer and editor Todd Tracy. This is Vector. I will leave you with this quote from Federico Del Frati. If virtual can be interpreted as a non-tangible representation of a physical object, then the stories needs dreams and ideas we humans tell one another since thousands of years are part of this superfamily of virtual entities and their space of action is the brain thank you for listening vector interview podcast is brought to you by vector productions inc 
Thank you for listening to Vector. Bye.